0: Hello, I'm Tara Ruckman.
1: And I'm Stephanie Howe, and we are Control the Chaos EDU. Are you burnout? Are you feeling frustrated or overwhelmed?
0: Or maybe it's the opposite, and you're a go-getter and want to level up, then it's time to dive in with real talk and solution-focused conversations.
1: Hello, and welcome to today's control the chaos conversation. We're going to be talking about schools and creativity, and we're going to be tackling the question, the same question that NASA tackled, are schools killing creativity and spoiler yes, schools are killing creativity. Okay. And we're going to kind of talk about this study and talk about maybe what, what things can we do? to improve schools and improve these percentages that are kind of alarming. And so what happened is NASA did a study, they were on the quest for creativity. And what they wanted is they wanted these forward thinking approaches, they wanted these forward thinking adults uh, to come and work for NASA. So they were kind of on this search. And so what they did is they partnered up with a doctor And they had this creative personality test. And with this test, they tested 1,600 children. And these children were four to five. So preschool range, um, they haven't really entered school just yet. And what this study found is that 98% of these kids, four to five years old again, scored at the genius level. Okay, so again, 98%. Are geniuses when it comes to creativity. And then what happened is they followed up on this test, the same group of kids, but as they were aging. So what kind of started to take place is when they were in grade school, now only 30% of these kids were creative geniuses. Then they did this test when they were in high school, and it was 12%. To where they didn't, one more time when they were the age of like 31 and less than 2% remained at these creative geniuses. So again, we started out with 98% and we went all the way to 2%. We decreased that much.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about how that happened because to me, those are phenomenal numbers. And when we really like dive into what's happening here and, and what that looks like it's public school systems are on this model where, and I'm going to like, I'm going to use my words. And if you've ever heard me present before, I'll say this, we put kids on this silver line and we make them put a hug in a bubble in and walk down the hallway, like little soldiers for so many years until then, then they can walk with their hands down by their sides. But we put these kids in this industrial or factory type model, right? Everybody's getting the same curriculum. Everybody's getting the same lessons. Now we have coaches that like, okay, if I go from Stephanie's class to Mrs. Ruckman's class to somebody else's class to somebody else's class, They're all teaching the same thing in the same way out of the same book. And we have pulled some of that creativity level actually from our adults, right? To then have the creativity pulled out of kids. Why is that? Well, we don't always trust our adults to be teaching the right things, right? So we we have them teach out of this book and follow along the lessons but it's everybody having access to the same content um but there's a whole lot of like small reasons within you know we're like nationwide we're all on the same computer system that we're following along the program and it's just this it's like a factory right we have run the kids through and we've run the same things over and over every day. We put these kids into these little boxes like it's an assembly line. Um, and that's come those are words from Forbes. That assembly line piece. My words were the silver line words, but Forbes has said, we've put these kids into um a box and we've we've treated them like they're on the assembly line in a factory. So what like the meaning of that right public school there's lots of global changes happening when we look at our technology our ai our constant growth of where we're heading and what we're doing but are we constantly growing and changing with our public school system does our public school system align with the growth of the outside world I don't know, does it? I think probably not a lot. I mean, we have kids that know more about technology than our adults do. So how how is that working? How are the adult how are the kids teaching the adults? I mean, that means when you get into high school that our public school system isn't aligning with the global changes because our teachers still should be teaching kids. I mean, it's okay to learn from. It's okay to learn from your students once in a while, but when you have more knowledge, when your students have more knowledge than you in an area of technology, then they're teaching us. We're not teaching them. So that means our public school system isn't aligned with the global changes. Correct? Am I wrong? You're the tech guru. I'm glad yeah, in this morning about this topic.
1: And when you um, think about jobs creativity is one of those top things that employers are looking for. But if only 2% of adults are creative geniuses, um, that's probably a very rare skill, right? That they're looking for. And so we have to change the way that we're teaching. And I love that because, I mean, I was given a scripted curriculum I'm very creative. I like to think like I love to design. I love to think out of the box. And when I was told to play a timer and once that timer went on, move on. Well, none of our students learn the exact same way, the exact same time. I mean, I'm very visual where some students might need more audio or whatever, but you've got to be able to provide that multi-sensory approach within your classroom. You have to know and build those relationships with your students. And we're not even mm-hmm. providing them the time to be able to be creative.
0: I mean, the curriculum arrives in a box, right? mm mm-hmm. So really the correlation there that we're putting kids mm-hmm. into a box We have curriculum coming out of the box and then the kids go right into the box, right? Because we're, we're pulling that curriculum out of the box. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I work for public schools and I travel around and work for a lot of them. And, and to me, you know, I I love my job, but there are parts of my job where I'm like, come on, we got to have time for this. We got to have time for this. Like we need to um, provide space for discovery and problem solving and passion outside of our worksheet heavy um, load that were I, I don't even know how else to start. I actually had a first year teacher tell me yesterday and a resident educator teacher that yes, the first half of my year was really worksheet heavy. And she said, I really want to get into trying to do more projects, but um, everybody's giving me the things that are already ready for me. And um, it's, you know, a lot of worksheets. So I feel bad changing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It made me so sad, but it's true, right? Like it's scary uh, to innovate. It's scary to give over control to our students. But when I think back on some of the projects that we did, like FedEx Day, the kids were so engaged, right? Engaged. They were excited to solve a problem. They were excited to be creative. They were excited to be given time to actually build with actual material a prototype. Yeah. And they had choice. They didn't just like they could use technology. They could use um, actual paper you know, or make a poster or use uh, um, cubes or whatever we had straws to make their prototype. And let me, let me
0: say this too. If you're, you're an educator and you're listening to this, we're not blaming you. This is not the fault of the educators. The educators are being told what they're supposed to be doing. They're being handed curriculums and frameworks And there's expectations that the administration teaching and learning, um, you know, statewide standards, you know, the higher ups have these expectations um, of the educators. This is not the fault of educators. So if you're listening to this, um, just note that we love you and we're not blaming you for this episode in this conversation that we're having today. The process is, historically, education has these processes and procedures that were founded centuries ago, and we're continuing to follow them. I mean, obviously, we've morphed, right? We have the science of reading, which is vitally important to teach our kids to read. We have, you know, these things that are high priority, but when you do them, how can you, how can you add that passion and... And creativity and discovery and all of those things with it, with you know how can we um, take take a lesson and and make it so that the the students are getting to discover within it. I mean, remember when school was just in a one room schoolhouse? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think we're, we're growing, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. But we, we have come a long way. And so I think what are some things that you can do, right? Like, what are some little wins that you can have in your classroom? And I think maybe starting your class with bell work, where you have like a problem that you present to your students and they have 10 minutes or five minutes to solve that problem really quickly. And then they kind of think, pair, share. And again, the older that your students get, the harder this activity might be for them because their creativity has been kind of killed. And so you've got to provide that time and space. Um, And then again, that repetition, allowing them to get kind of okay used to um, thinking creatively, thinking outside the box.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we have to do something. There has to be time in the day for. For every student to be able to, to have that create creative flow, for lack of better words. And I think that's really important too, once you start thinking about getting into the, the differences of students and the diversity that we have. Not all kids learn best with one certain, you know, there are many kids that learn best hands-on um, outside of the reading and the research and the, but they learn better by doing. So when you take those kids, if we're, if we're not accomplishing that in the public school, a lot of those kids are moving to technical schools. Why? Because they do work better with their hands. Not, not that they're any less smart than any kid that is in a high school. But, you know, technical schools do provide that ability for students to work with their hands. Now, imagine if we provided more of that, you know, that might make education look different for some of those kids that choose that path because they're working with their hands more and getting into project based learning and, you know, it might be a trade related. But what if it was just overall? So thinking about what is bringing bold new thinking and innovation to the state level? There is something called ESSA, it passed at the end of 2015, Um, a senator, one of the bill's leading architects, um, kind of supported innovation in the states and the districts across the country. Um, The problem is, is that it can be hard to measure that creativity and innovation, so what kind of effect that that bill is actually having and that bill was really to um, support the states having more control over their academic standards and that hopefully would then lead into more additional state control over if I had control of their academic standards versus countrywide common core that we would be able to still provide more innovation within the standards. The problem is, is the curriculums are already developed and already boxed up and already packaged and sent to the schools, right? Um, So some of that then within the curriculum, at least at the younger levels. you know, doesn't always have some of those opportunities because the curriculum has removed some of those critical pieces um, that lead to creativity because we have a pacing guide, right? We have so many standards that we have to get through in a year. So when we have that piece, you um, student teachers are moving faster. So they don't have as much time to spend on the lessons to be able to introduce that creativity. So the really the time that they have to have their creativity is specials, right?
1: Yeah. And it kind of depends, right? Like, they only see their specials teacher once a week. And so that's even very difficult to get into creating projects, right? If you only have one day a week and then you have to come back to it, you kind of lose that flow of like, okay, I got to get back in here. So there's just a lot of things that I think um, education, again, as a whole needs to just kind of think about, especially with the study, because I think jobs are looking for students that are creative, can think critically can be um, able to communicate and are you providing those opportunities within your classroom but also this is a higher level that goes to um the state levels and the national levels of education where i think we need to consider this and and start to create right all of those different things Um, but it, it is difficult, but again, I think you can start small and just kind of like, okay, I, I'm going to try to add a project here. I'm going to do a quick bell ringer. I'm going to do uh, this activity and, and kind of sticking with it. Again, your students are not probably familiar with this type of learning. So they need to build those executive functioning skills in order to be able to complete some of these projects. And again, it it might feel very uncomfortable um, because if they don't know how to manage their time, a project is going to teach them how to do that. But you have to coach them through it because a lot of times students are just used to being told what to do. And so when you give them this freedom, they're not going to have the executive functioning skills in order to do it, but they are skills that can be learned. And so, And they're also skills that you need for real life, like executive functioning skills are something that I use every single day of my life, right? Like, um, they're important skills. And I think you can get a lot of these skills taught through projects.
0: And I'm thinking too, like, when I'm really reflecting on all the conversation we're having today, I feel like this is why many entrepreneurs um homeschool their children. Because entrepreneurs are naturally creative minds for most of them. Um, so building and developing more entrepreneurs that have like creativity and, you know, that they don't send their kids to school because they don't want that to be killed. So they involve a lot of that homeschooling that they can kind of develop and explore themselves so i think that that's you know a factor to consider as well is like when you look at at students that are thriving from homeschooling why are they thriving from homeschooling because they don't always have the same curriculums and they have the ability to do more project-based things, um, to go out and explore in the woods and science more often than every once in a while. Um, So just thinking about how we can not inhibit our children, we can make sure that we're not shutting down. So Even if you're thinking, okay, well, I can't make a change at school. I can only make certain amount of changes. So probably more like I can make certain amount of changes, not no changes. But even when you're at home with your own kids, just allowing them to have that creative play and the exploration and the discovery, you know, go into the zoo and go into Sai and it doesn't even have to be something that's monetary like that. It could just be in your backyard, you know, picking up the rocks and exploring them and looking at them and talking about them and your cornfields and your city streets or whatever it is. And I, and I know that that has also become difficult, right, with people living in neighborhoods and not trusting the people in their neighborhoods. Um, So just finding ways that we allow children to create, you know, having water paints at home on your back porch, allowing children to make a mess, right? And, you know, maybe it's not on your carpet. Maybe it's maybe, you know, you have you have a new floor in your kitchen and you put down some plastic for for your kid to be able to make a mess and not have to worry about your floor um if that's what you're worried about but just finding ways to allow that creativity to flow i mean i know for me for my kids i would just i remember like them making a mess i remember them playing in the mud taking their bikes through the mud and and my son just being covered in mud from head to toe, like being playing out in the rain in a mud puddle. Um, So those things allow students to make connections to the real world. You may not feel like that's a learning experience, but it definitely is a learning experience. So we can't change the world, right? But we can change our world. So we can do those small things within our classroom with the exit tickets that Stephanie was talking about, just allowing them that creative feeling, uh, freedom of you know drawing a picture for for an exit ticket, or you know just changing up those little things to if we don't have the time, if we are taking our curriculum out of a box that we find those small ways to embrace discovery and not changing the world, but changing our own world. So that's all I got for today. How about you? That was a fun conversation.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's just something to reflect on. And again, this is a wider, wider issue, but start to think about what skills can I help my students and executive functioning
0: skills are one of those skills. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, We can't change the world, but we can change our own world. So find those small little tweaks in your day that you can allow students to love learning and get into that natural creative process. Don't shut it down. And until next time, control the chaos.
1: Thanks for listening to Control the Chaos EDU. Check out the description for show notes.
0: We look forward to connecting with you on social media. Subscribe to the weekly podcast so you never miss an episode. Control the chaos. Until next time.